we're live. So, so the first shot we're going to do. You got it? You got the link? Yeah. Um, of course. Yeah. First shot you're going to want to do is going to be coding. Um, so you can go ahead and get some done ready to that. We still got another two minutes and a half ready for that before we start. And then once we go to swap, before when Kyle goes through that, I'll go ahead and hit number one or number two, which will bring us back to the projector slide. And then I'll give you a cue to go ahead and turn over to the left. Okay. So then you can sit down, man. So you want it to be live at the podium right now? Yep. Podium. Good morning. Good morning, Grace Life. Sorry about that. Had to be my It's good to see you this morning. Those of you that are here, if you are worshiping with us um, online, then welcome. We're glad to have you connect with us that way. And I uh, just wanted to say before we 
get started. Happy Father's Day to those of you that um, are fathers. We appreciate you. We love you and we're thankful for you. And um, I just want to read. This is our Grace Life welcome that really just encapsulates um, how we want you to feel welcomed this morning here at Grace Life Church. To all who mourn and need comfort, to all who are weary and need rest, to all who feel worthless and wonder if God cares, to all who fail and need strength, to all who sin and need a savior, to all who hunger and thirst after righteousness, and to whoever else will come, Grace Life Church opens wide her doors in the name of Jesus Christ and offers welcome. And so we want to welcome you today, and I'm just going to open us um, with a word of prayer before our worship So really. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your presence here with us this morning. And even um, as you have reminded me from your word today, Lord, that you are the Father of all mercy and the God of all comfort. And we praise you for that. And Lord, I just ask that your presence would fill this room, this, this campus this morning, and that you would guide us into all truth, Lord, as we worship you. And we ask these things in your son's name. Let's stand together and worship our faithful Heavenly Father. Oh Lord my God, when I am in awesome wonder, consider all the world thy hands have made. I see the stars. I hear the thunder, thy power throughout the universe display. Then sings my soul, my Savior, God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Through the world, and towards blades I wander, and hear the birds. How great thou art, 
Hear the love of Christ, I sing. Christ alone, He took on flesh, fullness of God in hell this day. This gift of love and righteousness, sworn by the ones He came to save, till on that cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin was laid here in the death of Christ I live. Here in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness came, then burst forth. In glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands in victory, since curse has lost its grip on me, right of his, and he is mine, but with the precious blood of No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man. You never blow me from this hand. So he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. Do you feel the world is broken? Do you feel shadows deepen? But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? Do you wish that you could see it all made new? Is all creation groaning? Is a new creation coming? And is the glory of the Lord to be light within our is it good that we remind ourselves of this? Yeah. 
Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal of the scroll? The Lion of Judah, the conqueror of the grave. He is dead and true, and the man who died to ransom the slave. Is he worthy? Is he worthy of a blessing and honor and glory? Is he worthy of this? Yes. And does the Father truly love us? Does the Spirit move among us? Yeah. And is Jesus on the side? Oh, forever those he loves. Yeah. And does our God intend to dwell again with us? Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah, the Father of the grave, he is taken to ruin and the man who died to ransom the slave from every people and tribe. Every nation and tongue, he has made us a kingdom of priests to God to reign with the Son. Is he worthy? Is he worthy of a blessing and honor and glory? Is he worthy? Is he worthy? Is he worthy of this?
good morning. God's word this morning comes to us from Psalm 121. And then if you want to put your thumb or finger in the book of Jude, we'll be reading some verses from there as well. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Now Jude, the verse 20 is the book right before the book of Revelation. Starting in verse 20. But you, beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, with fear hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Amen. Sorry about that feedback. That was me. I got trigger happy. Always get trigger happy, you know. I've, I've been so looking forward to what God has for us this morning. And for our, is this our third or our fourth time to regather together? Okay, well, it's so good to see you. And for those of you who are watching from home and participating with us in that way, we're grateful for you and the encouragement we get from you. And we're going to hear actually a couple of testimonies this morning after the service. And some of the people who've been worshiping with us from home. Uh, but my name's Tommy Clayton. If I haven't had the privilege of meeting you yet, I hope we can connect after the service. I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, and happy Father's Day to all you men out there. And, and uh, whether you're a father or a son or a daughter or a mom, it's just a good day to be alive and to be in God's kingdom. Amen. So what I want to do is I want to pray, and we're going to jump right in. You know, those passages that were read are so packed full of just profound truth. Uh, you, sometimes you run the risk of saying, you know, I don't really need to say anything. I think even somebody after Psalm 121 said, amen. Yeah, it's all been said, but God wants us to go even deeper and try to apply that. Just swim in it. Just explore it. Just dive as deep down as we can. And to do that, we need God's help. We need God to open our eyes. 
We want God to challenge us, no doubt. We want Him to encourage us and comfort us because I believe, it's my conviction, <laughs> that the truth we're going to talk about today, a lot of Christians struggle to really embrace those and believe those and let those go down into every fiber of their heart and their mind. And because of that, the mission that Jesus has sent us on suffers. Because it's a tough mission, guys. If you don't have the security of knowing that you're kept by God, you're not going to venture out there. You're going to just play it safe. We're all tempted to do that. So why don't we just pause for a minute and pray and ask God to help us. I think you're going to be encouraged today. I think you'll also be challenged. That's my prayer for every message. I know I have been because I've studied and prepared it. So would you join me in praying and we'll jump in. Heavenly Father, thank you for all the promises that you've made to us to be with us, to be present here with us when we gather together and corporate worship in a unique and in a special and in a powerful way that maybe you're not during the week when we're just by ourselves. But with power and coming together, and that pleases your spirit to come and pour himself out in the midst of your people, Lord, to have our praise, to anoint the message, to uh, just empower our prayers and Help us to counsel one another, bear one another's burdens, and love one another, comfort one another. I pray right now, anything that will be a hindrance, a hurdle, a distraction, you would remove it, Lord. Help us to be just united in our desire to learn and to grow. We're here, we're here to gather, certainly, and we're also here to grow so that we can turn around and go and be on mission for you in a desperately fallen world that needs redemption, that needs the salt and light. That needs the ambassador work that you called us to do and empower and equip us to do the world. So may that happen right now in these next few minutes that we're together. We pray that your spirit will come and help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Psalm 121 and Jude, it's just one chapter, verses 20 through 25. This is going to be a little bit of a different message. Um, and that I don't have three points. Um, and a conclusion, I'm going to talk just through some of the points that you read uh, together with Brent read Psalm 121 and Jude 25. We've, we've already heard some really amazing truth from God's Word from the Old Testament. And, you know, a theologian told me once, he said, you know, God whispers to us in the Old Testament. There are some types and there are some shadows. And it's not that it's ambiguous or vague. It's just the clarity of the New Testament just gives color to maybe what's black and white in the Old Testament. So if the Old Testament whispers and the New Testament shouts, man, you read that song, you're like, I don't know, it didn't really sound like a whisper at the end. That sounds pretty clear. I think God wants us to know, I think the word keep is used there some eight or nine times. We are kept. God is our keeper. He keeps us in our going out, our coming in. He's our shade, shelters us from the sun, from the moon, from the elements. From enemies, from ambush, this was a psalm of ascent. So the people that were making their pilgrimage, their journey every year up to Jerusalem to worship together, there would be pitfalls and ambushes and enemies and wild animals on that road. And they would, they would sing some of these songs in this section to remind themselves, God is going to keep us. He's our bodyguard. That's what the word, literally in Hebrew, the word keeper means bodyguard. So don't think of the Whitney Houston's Pentecostal movie. Think of God as your bodyguard, Okay. He is your keeper ultimately. That's what the word keep means, but it's more than that. He's not just your bodyguard. God is your soul guard. And that's the more important promise that we have. Because listen, we all know this. As Christians, we get sick, we get hurt, 
We may come down with a sickness like COVID-19. We get persecuted. Our life is threatened. We get in a car accident. We die. So God's not saying nothing's ever going to hurt you. He's saying, I am keeping you. I'm in charge. I'm ruling over these threats and even through these threats. But more importantly, he's saying, I'm going to keep your soul. Your soul is secure. It's mine. It's in my hands. It's in my hands. And it's in his very strong hand, powerful hand, faithful hand. Loving hands. We're secure, but that's not all. That's not all that this psalm in the book of Jude teaches us. Not only are we just secure and kept, I think as human beings, when we think of the word keep or we think, oh, we're kept, if, if, if we think about it the way that human beings tend to do, we're going to miss a really powerful application. Because here's how we typically think about it we think that we're kept like maybe a keepsake. Or a shiny car that we're never going to drive, or a trophy, or like fine china. But that's not the kind of keeping that God does. Yes, we're valuable like fine china. But if you think of God keeping you as maybe just, oh, this warm, fuzzy blanket, you're not thinking about it the right way. In fact, the comfort goes much deeper than that. It's not just a warm, fuzzy blanket, it's armor. Isn't there a brand called Under Armour? Maybe that's a good analogy. You are under divine protection. You're kept from things. You're kept from Satan. You're kept from falling away. You're kept from God's wrath and judgment. You're kept from all those things. But don't think only in terms of what you're kept from. You're also kept for something. You've got a divine purpose. You've got armor to put on. There is a mission out there waiting for you. So not only are we kept by God, that's security. We are liberated by God. Right? As as humans, sometimes when we think about security and freedom, those are inversely related, right? If we're secure, then maybe we're not going anywhere, man. We're safe, but we ain't going out. Uh, or if we're free, we think we're not secure. But with Christianity redeems those two ideas. We are secure and we're free. They both go together. They're intended to go together. And I know that's countercultural. It doesn't make sense. It's, it's counterintuitive the way a lot of things in Christianity are. We are kept by God. And we're kept for a purpose, for a mission in the world. And the two go together. If you don't sense and, and own that truth, your participation in God's mission is going to be very weak and marginal. You're not going to be all in. You're going to be like a soldier without armor, with nobody keeping his back. You're not going to do much. Unless you're going to be like a Rambo vigilante. You're going to go out there and scream and get shot. And that's it. You're done. No, we're kept. But we're kept for a good reason. God frees us, he liberates us from bondage, but we're kept for mission in the world. So if you want to think about being kept as security, you definitely should, there's that dynamic. I want to talk about that for just a minute, because that is assurance. That dynamic of God keeping us, and it says that in Jude, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, and to present you faultless and blameless before the throne of God. You know what's interesting in Jude? The book opens with those who are called and kept for Jesus Christ. It opens with this promise. Hey, Christians, those who are called and kept, and it ends with the benediction or the doxology, is now to him who is able to keep you. So the book starts with a promise, you're kept. It ends with a promise, you're kept. Do you know what's in the middle of Jude? Have you guys ever read that book? It's the last book before Revelation. And man, is, does it belong there? Because it's saying, hey, uh, it's wake-up time, my friends. There is work to be done. There's false teachers out there. Satan's on the prowl. 
The church needs to be awakened. Christians are being lazy. There's a mission field to reach. There's people dying in their sins. There's burdens to bear. There's work to do. But Jude knows, as an apostle and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we're not going to be excited to sign up for that mission unless it's bookmarked by these promises. Hey, there's work to do, but guess what? You're kept. You're secure. You're safe. You're in God's hands. He's got you. You're under armor. Is that important? Is that, I mean, God speaks to us in analogies and metaphors and illustrations we understand. If you tell me I'm going out into battle and there's bullets whizzing by my head and machetes being swung and bouncing baby bombs to be stepped on, I've seen that movie. I don't know what you're thing. I think it is. Don't they bury bombs? And anyway, if you don't know your cat and you're secure, you're going to be timid. You're going to be nervous. You're not going to be all in. And listen, the mission that we have in the world, we got to be all in. I mean, don't we see that right now more than ever? Doesn't the world desperately need faithful and courageous and confident ambassadors to go out there and fulfill God's mission? Don't we need that? This is, I had somebody tell me this and said, Tommy, this is the darkest time I think that I have ever seen. And I think I would probably agree. I'm only 45. I've seen a lot of stuff in my lifetime in America, but it looks pretty grim right now for a lot of people. But that does not discourage me at all because I know that the gospel shines the brightest when it's the darkest. It does. There has never been a better time for Christians to bear the message that we have and to really backtrack on the message from last week, show the world what God is really like and what he's not like. Like Tim Keller said, tell me about the God you don't believe in. I probably don't believe in that God either. Because the God a lot of people present is not even really the God of the Bible anyway. So people desperately know, need to know what the real God's like. And we have that message. We're image bearers. We're being conformed to the image of Christ. And we have a message for the king. Excuse me. From the king for the world. So let's talk about that security. Eternal security. Maybe you've heard that word growing up. Eternal security. I used to hear it when I was a kid said like this. And looking back, that's not the best choice of a phrase, once saved, always saved. I heard it said that way. And the reason I don't like that is because, number one, it carries a lot of baggage. But secondly, if you're not careful, you hear that, you get the idea, great, man, I can do, I can do whatever I want. Temptation doesn't need to be a thing, man. No self-discipline. Don't tell yourself no. Still do it, right? Because I'm, I'm secure. I'm never going to go to hell. I got fire insurance. That's not the right way to think about this kind of security. It's not the right way to think about it because, yes, you're free to do what you want, but your, your wants have been changed. Your desires have been shaped by the things that please the Lord, right? That's what eternal security is. And that means this. You and I have been bought with a price. We belong to God. We're his. We've been adopted into his family. We've been declared blameless. His righteousness has been imputed to us. We've been justified and cleansed and stamped. We are blood-bought sons and daughters of the king. And I mean, the Bible goes so far out of its way to use language that irref irrefutably proves this to us because God knows how prone we are to doubt our standing with him. He uses words like, hey, uh, Jesus is the cornerstone and you're the bricks of the building. You're the sheep and he's the shepherd. You're the body, he's the head. You're the family, he's the father. You're the bride, he's the groom. I mean, how many other ways could God possibly show us that we are united in him by faith and that we are not at risk at losing our relationship with him? 
I mean, it's Father's Day. Look, let me ask you fathers out there. Do you ever want your sons or daughters to wonder if they're ever going to fall out of your love? Do you ever want them to doubt that? I mean, every now and then we'll use that for leverage. Like, daddy's really sad at you right now. You know? But as far as like, I don't ever want my children to doubt my love for them. I want them to always know, no matter what, no matter who you become or what you do, daddy loves you. Nothing's ever going to change that. You may displease me and grieve me just like we do God. You're still my son. You're still my daughter forever. God's given you to me as a gift to me. And you can't even change that. You can change your last name, but you can't change your blood type, right? God wants us to know that's what eternal security means. We are the Lord. We belong to him. Freely, he gave us salvation. Freely, we received it. There's nothing we did to earn it, and there's nothing we can do to lose it. And I will say this. I've always referred it. Because I grew up, you know, when I became a new Christian, I cut my teeth on Reformed theology, and man, the whole world was just an argument waiting to be after me. I love to argue with people that didn't believe eternal security. And so I memorized just about every passage that I could find about eternal security. And I would use it to go out and hammer people and get into arguments and beat them down. By the way, that never worked, right? Because uh, I wasn't trying to win the person. I was trying to win the argument. But you know, it, it struck me later on in my Christian life, those verses weren't for me to argue with other people. You know who those verses were for? They were, they were for me to argue with myself. Because sometimes that's a part of, we think of Christian apologetics. It's what we go out and, and do out there with other people. Sometimes Christian apologetics is you arguing with yourself. Because there's nobody that's more influential in your life than you. Did you know that? Because <laughs> sometimes God has to rescue us from us, from our doubts, from our misgivings. And so I use those verses to argue with myself when I doubted God's love and to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. But all those verses, like I am the vine, you are the branches, you have Jesus saying things like this. Check this out. Now just think in terms of we're being kept by God, and he wants you to know that. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hands. I and the Father are one. Somebody once told Charles Spurgeon, uh, he told them, you're in the Father's hands. And they said, but what if I slip through his fingers? And he said, you are his fingers. I like that. That helps me. Say that helps you. Or his body, he's the head. He can't slip through his fingers, you are his fingers. And if you want to try and argue that you can lose your salvation, I'm just, I'm just going to tell you this. Been there, done that. The deck is stacked against you. I mean, I've read every, I've read the best arguments that I could from the best theologians that, that take a contrary position to eternal security, and I'm just totally unconvinced, man. Totally unconvinced. And I can't imagine the insecurity that I would have living every day of my Christian life, wondering, is this going to be the day that I sin? A sin that, that so grieves God that he turns loose on me. Because I will tell you this. If I could lose my salvation, I would have. And I would continue to do it every day of my life before I finish my first cup of coffee. And if you're honest, you would too. Because we sin in word, thought, and deed. Don't we? We're not glorified yet. There's a struggle. We agonize. We strive. And we should. Grace is not Dallas Willard said this. Grace is not against effort. It's against earning. 
there's still work to be done here. And if we know that we're kept and we're secure by God, no matter what it is, no matter what you go out there and try to do and fail, you're still his. You still belong to him. Man, that galvanizes me. I feel liberated to wrap my mind around that kind of security. And if you let it, it will liberate you too and galvanize you. And, and put it'll be like armor on you, man, where you can go out there and truly live a life with Jesus. You're not going to be nervous and intimidated the way you would be if you didn't know this doctrine. I'm speaking personally, of course. I'm not you. Uh, I, I think that does sometimes. You've got Jesus and then you got Paul. As you guys know, every single time, the first Sunday of the month, when we celebrate communion, did you guys know that I'm reading the same passage every single time? Did you know that? Aha, uh -huh, we got somebody OCD right here, right? That keeps track of that. And it's Romans 8. You don't want to read that? Because that's one of the most powerful, over the fence, Babe Ruth, uh, home run passages about security in the whole Bible. And I read it because at communion, we're examining ourselves and we're thinking about our lives and how faithful we are or we're not. And I want to sometimes redirect that and have us think about how faithful God is, how faithful, how faithful Jesus is, right? So I read this passage. Uh, you know, I'm not reading the whole section, just parts. Because here Paul's going to say nothing can separate us from the love of God. And he, and he includes everything above the earth, below the earth, and inside the earth. There's no other way he can make a slam dunk argument. He says, if God is for us, who can be against us? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God, or the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither Death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, so that's Satan and demons too. They would love to strip you of your faith if they could, that they can. Nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor any other, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Don't you love that? That's slammed up, man. How do you argue with that? You shouldn't. You should just enjoy it. That's what God wants you to do. Don't doubt it. Don't debate it. Don't test it. Don't argue against it. Enjoy it. Put it on a mic armor and then go out and be a force in the world to be reckoned with. Christianity needs that right now. We need ambassadors that are humble and that are also confident. And those two things can only coexist in a Christian. I'm convinced of that. If you're an unbeliever and you're humble, uh, you're not going to be confident at the same time. You know, the gospel does both. Because we know we're so sinful, Jesus had to die for us. That humbles me. I'm so loved by God, he was glad to die. Well, man, that gives me confidence and courage. I mean, you can't lose, right? Makes me want to charge hell with a water pistol, both barrels, and do a backflip. That's just a thrilling, exhilarating truth to, to think about it, to press down deep. And listen, it's not just, well, okay, so I, I can't lose my salvation. I just, I get into heaven by the hair of my chinny chin chin. God the shade of me, he just kind of lets me in like a driver, like all around the back. No, we're more than conquerors. That's like there's a victory lap here. He's not ashamed to be called our brothers. I mean, you're saying, why are you? Because this is so important. That's what it means. That's what Psalm 21 means. In Jude 
20 through 25 names that you are kept by God. You're kept by his power, you're kept by his faithfulness, you're kept by his love. You stand no risk of ever losing that or forfeiting that, ever. If you have the genuine thing, right? If you're in Christ, you can't be out of Christ. You don't jump out of Christ and back in. You don't do that. The Bible calls us soldiers. You got to hear that song right there. It's good, isn't it? <laughs> those, those little children are on the same thing right now. That thrills my heart. That's the greatest gift you can give your child is to teach them that. You're in Christ. You're kept. That's the safest place in the world to be than the arm of Jesus. No safer place. And no safer truth to tell your children than that. That's not a eternal security is not a dangerous doctrine. It's not something to be kept under wraps. That's something your kids need to know because we need to know it. That's why it's everywhere in the Bible. God doesn't want it to be kept in. No, we've got armor. You know, the, the Bible calls us soldiers and farmers and athletes. And there's a battle out there. There's a war out there. There's work to be done. We need, that's why we need the security. D-Day is over. We know who wins. We've read the end of the book. We know who wins. But between D-Day, D-Day and V-Day, Victory Day, we're in the in-between. Theologically, it's called the already not yet. And that's where we strive and we work and we evangelize. We live on mission for Christ. We have a mission to fulfill. I mean, it's astonishing that God even trusted us with the mission, but he did. He could have used angels. He could have used animals, right? But he chose us. Broken vessels, the Bible says. Jars of clay. We're not fine china, even though we're more valuable than fine china. We're broken vessels that God has chosen to use and fill with the treasure of the gospel so we can go out there and unleash it in the world, knowing we're kept so that we can leverage our life for good. That's what this message is. If the whole mission rested on us, we'd be toast, wouldn't we? But it doesn't. We're kept by God. It's his mission. It's his idea. That word keep is also used in another place in the Bible that I bet you're familiar with. Psalm 127, it says this. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It's the same word in Hebrew, watch, guard, observe, keep. Unless the Lord does it, you do whatever you want to do. But unless the Lord's the one keeping, it's all in vain. It's all in vain. If you're relying on your own strength and your own power, it's all in vain. So that tells us two things. We're kept, but there's also work to be done, right? There's also a mission to fulfill. Paul, writing Timothy from prison, said, I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. So there's something for us to keep, too. I have kept the faith. Solomon would tell his son in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it flow all the issues of life. You're that verse? Keep your heart. Paul kept the faith. And you're kept by God. It's like those aren't contradicting one another. They feed each other. At the very end of Jude, we're going to talk about that at the very end of the message. Jude says, keep yourself in the love of God. What the heck? Are we kept or do we keep? Yes. Yes. Not a contradiction. You can call it divine intention if you want to. It's 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 not a, it's, there's no tension in the mind of God. They're both there, just like divine sovereignty and human responsibility. Is God sovereign? Absolutely. He's on His throne, orchestrates every everything in the world. 
no rogue molecules or maverick molecules out there. God overrules it all. I'm like, well, good, man. I can, I can relax and do nothing. No, you're responsible. They're both taught in the Bible. You're kept by God, and you're also called to go out and live on mission with him and for him. Those are taught in the Bible. But you talked about that. We are to keep ourselves. And it's interesting what Jude says. He says, keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourself in the love of God. Man, that's a beautiful picture, isn't it? That's the same thing that John said. Abide in Christ. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me. If the man abides in me and me and him, he can do anything. If he doesn't, he can't do anything apart from him, right? Keep yourself in the love of God. What does that mean? Here's what I believe it means. It doesn't mean the weight of your salvation rests on your shoulders. It doesn't mean that at all. It means this. I think a lot of people, they're scared of the love of God. Just the whole, the whole reality of the truth, they're scared of. They think maybe that's uh, maybe weak. Let's get to the good stuff, to the hard, rugged, resilient stuff. You know, come on, we're soldiers. Let's talk about love, fluffy, you know, stuffed animal stuff. No, I think this is what Jude is trying to say. Keep yourself in the love of God. A lot of Christians are in the kiddie pool of God's love. And not only in the kiddie pool, they're in the very shallow end. They're just playing around. Just kicking around little puddles. I think what Jude is saying is, come deeper. There's so much more for you. You would be so much more secure. You don't even know how powerful this armor is that you have on, and therefore the mission effort you're exuding is weak and incomplete. Keep yourself. Come swim. Dive with me. Explore. Enjoy all of this. this is, the love of God is like this multifaceted diamond. And Jude is saying, you haven't even begun to look at it. It's like walking through a museum with is, is there such a thing as billion-dollar painting? I don't know, like a Picasso or a Van Gogh, and you're like, great, what's for lunch? Where's my phone? It's like, no, you're not keeping yourself in the love of God. You're just a passing glance. No, you need to go deep. That's why all these passages in the Bible are seeking to anchor you and invite you and challenge you. Go deeper. Think about God's love deeper than you have. There's more to it. That's what I think it means to keep yourself in the love of God, building yourself up in the most holy faith. And by the way, those are things we do corporately. It's interesting to me. I was looking this morning. Those verbs in Jude are all plural. You know what that means? He's talking to Christians. He's talking to the body corporate. He's talking to communities. He's not saying, hey, you, go out there and keep yourself in the love of God by yourself. You can't do that. I've tried that. You can't do that. You need help. You need each other. You need community. You need to be, you know, I, I talk about ministries and opportunities that we offer at Grace Life a lot different than I would have 10 years ago. You know, I, I had such short patience, and I still do. God's helping me. The other church I was at, I'm like, where are you? And we call them something different groups. Where are you in a stinking group? Go. Do it. Just do it. Get in a group. Why don't you come to church? Come to, why don't you read your Bible? Read it. You know, I was uh, really rough around the edges. But now, God is showing me more and more every day. It's like, you know what? The reason you probably need to find a community and commit to it is because God tells you to keep yourself in your love, in his love, and you need help doing that with other people. You're not going to do it well alone. Therefore, his mission will suffer. Your, your effort in it will suffer. It will be weak and marginalized and maybe ineffective and maybe dangerous. Right? If you're one of these lone ranger Christians, you're a dead ranger Christian. All the verbs are in plural. We'll do it together. 
We build, you build yourself up. How do you do that? Corporately. We come together to be edified and to be equipped for the work of the ministry. We gather to edify, we scatter to live on mission and go. That's our vision here. Insiders for outsiders. We gather, we grow deeper into the love of God, and we go. We're like spun out there. That's what it's about. Every time God challenging challenges us or commissions us to go out on mission for him, you will find a promise of your being kept. I challenge you to prove it up in the Bible. Every single time you find a mission in the Bible, you find a promise. Great commission. For example, Matthew 28, verse 18. Go into all the world and do what? Make disciples, baptizing them in my name and teaching them to deserve all things that I have commanded you. But the Great Commission doesn't start with that. Did you know that? You know what it starts with? All authority has been given to me. I have it all. All of this belongs to me anyway. So go out into the territory that I own and that I rule over and do this. And then you know how it ends? You know how the Great Commission ends? And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. You guys know that? That's your mission. That's the Great Commission. And it's bookmarked with these promises. All of it, it all belongs to me. And you're not alone. I'm always with you. How's that for being kept? Same thing as Jude. You're kept. You're kept. You've got a mission. In fact, the very beginning of Jude, there's a word that, that Jude is trying to help people know that you've got to fight for the, the Christian gospel to keep it. To keep that message pure and untainted. And so he, he says this in the very beginning of Jude. He says, I've written to you so that you would contend for the faith. That word in Greek, it means to fight. Now remember, right after he tells you you're kept, he's going to give you this mission and remind you you're kept. He says, contend for the faith. That word is really interesting. Let me geek out for a minute, okay? There's a word in Greek, and it's uh, agonizomai. That's fun to say. Agonizomai. And it means, what do you think that word means? You hear a root word in there? Agony. It means to agonize. So the word agonizomai is used some of your translations have contend earnestly or fight well. It means to struggle. It means to labor. It means to strive. But the word that's used here is epi-agonizomai. In Greek, when there's a preposition slapped on the front, it intensifies the word. As if agonizomai isn't intense enough, right? It's like agonizomai. Dude's like, don't scratch that. He goes, epi-agonizomai. If I'm going to epi-agonizomai, if I'm going to epi-agonizomai, I need to promise that all authority belongs to God and that I'm kept by his power and that he's with me in this mission when the bullets are with him and the machetes are flying. And then Nathan says, guys, y'all tracking with me? <laughs> Just a few of you. Good. Sorry. Um, we're, we're getting to the end here. I mean, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of work to be done in the world, guys. If you look out there, it's overwhelming. It seems impossible. It's broken. People are angry. There's riots, there's confusion, there's political back and forth, social media can't get along, uh, people seem to be so educated, so condescending, so hostile, so unsympathetic to your worldview, and you think, I can't do this, what's the point? You need to be reminded you're kept. You need to be reminded you're kept. There's relationships out there that need to be mended. There's suffering that needs to be relieved. There's hope that needs to be restored. There's darkness that needs salt and light to be unleashed on it. There was a guy back in the 80s, and he wrote a book called Out of the Shaker. 
And it was all about Matthew 5, your salt and light. You know, salt's no good in the shaker. It's no good there. <laughs> We're not kept that way. God's like, I got this whole thing of Morton salt right here. I'm going to keep it in the cabin. It doesn't belong up there. It needs to be out there or it's not going to do any good. So what's going to get you out there where you take risks and you pursue hard relationships and have hard conversations sometimes? And it's Father's Day. So fathers, you're faithful to your children. You're faithful to your wife. Wives, you're faithful to your husbands, to your children. Singles, you're faithful to the relationships God's given you. What's it take? It takes this. You are kept. All of that is part of the mission. All of it is. When we think of the word kept, sometimes we just don't think the right way, I think, theologically. Because we think, oh, you, I'm kept. Oh, like you keep a promise or you keep a bet or you keep a secret. No, it's not that. In fact, I looked at a website the other day, and it was uh, the 30 things that people hold on to that they shouldn't. I'm not going to read all 30. I got the best top 10 here for you, okay? I work hard, guys, for this. Right? What are things you keep? That you should clothes that don't fit, expired makeup. That's our house. I mean, that's not me. Don't get the wrong idea. <laughs> Single socks without apartments. We call them orphans in our house, and they're every day, man. I can hear that sock somewhere. <laughs> Just throw them away, guys. Or use them for rags or something, right? Fast food sauce packets. Come on, guys. Give God glory. I can tell you this, the Chick-fil-A sauce packets at our house, they don't laugh through their voice. They're on the way. That two-year-old Taco Bell mild sauce, you don't hear. Don't do that. <laughs> and what I'm saying is God doesn't keep us like that, okay? I'll keep going. Use toothbrushes, old shoes, receipts, keys, CDs. It's time. <laughs> They're scratched anyway. It'd be real, okay? Business cards, expired vitamins, just throw them out, guys. Don't keep them. We're not kept that way. When we think of keeping, we think of preservation, right? We should also think of perseverance. That's not how God, God keeps us for a purpose, and it's glorious, and it's exciting, and it's redemptive. When God saved us, he didn't lock us up in a closet. He didn't put us on a shelf as a trophy or like fine china. We're not kept that way. Have you guys ever bought a new car or a new sofa and you put plastic over it? Or you know somebody that did? And they're protecting that plush, beautiful stainless cloth, right? And that's okay. I've got some of that in my background. But if you're wondering, like, dude, you know, you paid a lot of money for that. Just to put it under plastic. Nobody can ever feel how come it's the hard crushing plastic that doesn't ever feel right. God doesn't keep us like that. He's an organized order or something. It's not like that. You know, I can't attest for everything that's in this movie. It's a PG-13 movie, but I grew up watching Ferris Bueller day off over and over. And there's a scene in that movie that I couldn't help but think of when I was writing this message. You know, Ferris Bueller has a friend named Cameron Fry, and they're skipping school for the day, and they want to go joyriding. And, and Cameron's father is wealthy and kind of absent and cruel and doesn't invest much in his kids, so they're standing in the front of this custom-built garage and the door's open, there's a song in the background. It's just a really cool scene. And they're looking at this Ferrari, and Cameron's talking to Ferris. Obviously, you can tell Ferris is trying to, like, let's take a joyride, bro. 
and he says the 1961 Ferrari GT250 California said there were only 100 made in the world. It is my father's wife. It is my father's love. It is my father's passion. And then Bear says, it is your father's fault for not walking the garage. <laughs> and he's trying to convince him, dude, let's take his car. And he says, you don't understand. My father never drives it. He just rubs it with a diaper. He knows how many miles are on at Ferris, which are next to none. And they keep arguing back and forth, and eventually Ferris jumps in the car and starts it and drives off to the screaming protest of his friend. And the license plate on the car says, nervous. It's just really interesting to think about that because when we think of being kept, I think if we're honest, we tend to think about Ferris Bueller's friend's car, his dad's car, right? We don't, want, we don't want to scratch it. We don't want to dig it. We don't want any rust. We don't want any miles. We're nervous. Well, I want to tell you, the way you're kept, God's not nervous about using you. He wants mileage. Again, we're cracked vessels. We're, we're jars of clay, man. We're resilient. God wants to test drive us. Get off the showroom floor and get out there. Take radical risks for the kingdom of God. You can. You're kept. That's assurance. That's security. That's we need that, man. We need that truth to soak down deep inside our bones. I know I do. God doesn't rub us like a diaper and keep up with our mileage. He wants to. He gets glory when you take the image of, of Christ being reformed in you out to that world that needs it and show off what God has done for you. When you exhibit a transformed life, man, that's attractive. So what the early church did, man, they took risks. They knew their security. They were able to do that. Now, what might it look like? Practice, I want to apply this just a little bit. What might it look like if you knew how God kept you? You knew you had his love. Some of this is like evangelism, but guys, you know what a lot of this is? You're just your day-to-day -day interaction with other people. Can I ask you a question? Are some of you defensive? When you get an argument or a disagreement, are you defensive? Are you radically insecure? Some of us are. And you know why? Man, this truth needs to work its way down into your heart. Where you don't have, you don't have to have the last word in an argument. You don't have to have that mic drop comment. You can be open, you can be humble, and you can be corrected. You know why? Because you're kept. You don't have anything to prove. You don't have a thing in the world to prove. Because the one whose opinion matters the most has already told you his verdict. He loves you with an everlasting love. Nothing can separate you from that love. You can just be his ambassador and show the world how God came to this earth and was humble. It's the only adjective he ever used to describe himself. He was humble and lowly of heart. And you can be too. In fact, he wants you to be. And the mission is dependent on you being humble. When you do apologetics and talk to an unbeliever, man, you don't have to get red in the face. When they start touting their, their worldview and it's diametrically opposed to yours or more leaning left or right or whatever it is, you can be patient instead of anger. This is huge for me. Can I just confess that to you? I find sometimes I'm an angry man. And the people that are the closest to me that I love the most, I'll think at the brunt end of that. And then it's Father's Day. I hear that I'm not alone in that. This is a great time to press deeper into this doctrine. Because when I know and feel that security by God, something really mysterious happens. I get patient, and I'm gentle, and I'm a lot easier to get along with. 
my wife and we get angry from the time we just that we were on. I always cry talking about stuff like this. <clears throat> so, and you love hearing my dirt, don't you? <laughs> we were on vacation. We went just for a week at a resort, and man, it was awesome. It was at a resort that was close to the theme park, which are mostly still closed. So we like own that place, man. We were riding our scooters around. We were like lords of creation. We were. And one night, I don't know, I don't know why. I don't understand myself sometimes. God has to help me. But it's on vacation. There's like no curfew, really. And I'm just barking at everybody. Do this, do that, what the heck? Ah! I'm getting angry. A kid spills water in the floor. Water in the floor. It was an accident. I'm like losing my head. And my wife says, honey, what in the world is going on with you? On vacation. You have got to find a way to chill out. Because you are not a fun person to be around. What do you say to that? Yes, I am. There's plenty of people that think I'm fun. <laughs> What's going on there? And you know what, man? I've taken a lot of time to reflect on that and pray about that. And this has been a really helpful study to me this week. And I'm finding that without thinking about be patient, be patient, be patient, it just happens. God does it. I'm secure. I don't have to win arguments. The water doesn't have to get wiped out right away. If the kid misses their curfew, you don't get any ideas. It'll be okay. The world will still turn. And I'll be a fun person to be around for the right reasons. Right? Maybe you will be too. We all need to work on this. I have a lot more stuff to share. But you're safe, you're secure, you're protected. Do you feel secure right now? How about we end with that question? How secure do you feel right now? And how free do you feel right now? Because I will promise you, theologically, those things are connected. Maybe you have lived under this heavy regime all your life of thinking that salvation was on your shoulders and that God's angry with you today, happy with you tomorrow, disappointed with you. Guys, nobody can live under that kind of scrutiny. That self-imposed, the Bible never goes to that. Feel this truth deep down. And apply this truth and see what? See what God would do. So that's that's the end of the sermon. How about this? Here's a quote. Martin Lloyd Jones said, The man who tries to do something and fails is infinitely better than the man who tries to do nothing and succeeds. What makes the difference? I think one feels that security that we're talking about, and the other does not. Like the parable of the talents. You know, the master came back and how many did you get? I got 10, I got 20. Great. How many did you get? All I did was keep what you gave me because I, I knew that you're a harsh man and you, you know you reap where you didn't sow and so on and so forth. And he says, You wicked servant, get out of here. You know, what you believe about the master makes all the difference in the world for the kinds of risk you take on his behalf. Did you know that? It's true. You test that theory out because it's not theory, it's good theology. So let me conclude this way bodyguard. God is our bodyguard. Now let's be honest with you. When you think of bodyguard, what do you think of? What's that? Yeah. I didn't hear you. I'm just laughing. For <laughs> I'm hard of hearing. I, this is what I think of. I think of somebody that doesn't make a lot of money, and maybe they worked out, and they know kung fu, and they know what. They're not getting paid a lot of money. They're not getting paid enough to do the job. They're responsible to fulfill, right? And I, love, I don't want to fit anybody if you're a bodyguard, but this is the way I see it. A bodyguard 
is a nobody who gets paid to protect somebody. Right? The important guy. You stand between them and any threat, a gun, a weapon, a harsh word, a reporter, whatever it is, you get paid to guard them. You're a nobody who protects a somebody. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. If God is our keeper and he's our bodyguard, do you realize, do you realize how humbling that is and how liberating that is? Because what you've got there is a somebody that's protecting a nobody. Now, I know in Christ we are somebody. Just go with the metaphor for a minute. We were his enemies. Let's just start there, Romans 5. When you were still an enemy, when you were weak, Christ died for you. Somebody, they gave the most costly and precious and valuable thing he had, his life, to protect nobody. Man, that's, that's amazing to me. That's amazing. And that's the gospel. That's the gospel. So put yourself under the, the benefits and the privileges and the freedom of the gospel. Put that armor on. And go out there and be a gentle force to be wrapping the back. Amen. So the sermon's over, that's it. But we're gonna do something we're gonna handle a little different today. Because Jude says, and I know I didn't go weave back and weave every parse every verb and look at those passages. We can this was kind of like a power devotion today, okay? But Jude says, building yourself up in the most holy faith, keep yourself in the love of God. And I told you those verbs were plural. So part of what God desires to happen here and in our gatherings. Is we're supposed to build one another up and help each other keep one another in love of God. So here's what we've done today. We've asked two people that are staying at home right now, mostly for the pandemic, to video a short testimony about how God is protecting them and keeping them right now or anything else they wanted to share. I try not to be too restricted when I invite people to do that. So we're going to hear two video testimonies from people that's going to build you up, okay, and help you stay in the love of God. And then we're going to have Matt Kakari come and share a live short testimony. And then we're going to spend just a few minutes praying because Jude also says praying in the spirit. How do you keep yourself in the love of God? You build one another up and you pray in the spirit. We're going to do both of those this morning, okay? So, TJ uh, or Tech Booth, can you pull up the. Uh... Here we go. And I wanted to join you today give a testimony of how God supports me in times like this. I had a defining moment in my life, a defining moment that brought me to faith, truly to faith, my own personal faith. And that was around middle age when I finally decided to confront a lingering doubt I had that faith is faith, just that it's based our belief in God is based on a theory that cannot be proven in this material world. So I decided that finally to confront that and to read the Bible cover to cover with the intent of deciding at the end, do I believe this? And I got to chapter 3 of Exodus when God asked Moses to lead his people out of Egypt. And Moses said to God, they're not going to believe me. And he said, God, what name can I give them that will make them believe me? What is your name? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. You tell my people, I am, will lead you out. And that spoke to my soul. I had a 
faith from that moment on because there was no doubt. God spoke those words to me, his person. And after a few years after that, another event happened. A couple of, in our church family uh, had a 22-year-old son who was on his way home working all the day uh, on his bicycle, was hit by a driver who left him at the side of the road and went on. And later on, his family found a to-do list for that day in his pocket. And at the bottom of that list were these words, enjoy everything. Those words really restored my soul. I would, it not only said, enjoy everything to me, but it also said, stop suffering. God had already suffered, sent his son who suffered everything and even died and conquered death. There was no need for us to find any real suffering. We just can put that in the cross and let go of it and enjoy the world that God gave us and find the joy in the moment. So from that time on, it was well with my soul. And my words to you today are to see that and have that same joy in any circumstance. You've come into this world planned for and loved by God. You came in with nothing. You needed nothing. And he has provided all your life. And you will leave this world most certainly with nothing in your hands because you don't need to take anything with you. And in this entire time, we are in God's hands. This is God's world. And everyone and everything that occurs to us in this lifetime is at God's good purpose for us who love the Lord. Trust in that and enjoy everything. Love you guys. Greetings from one of the home fronts. It's hard to believe it's been um, three months, over three months, I guess, since we've been in quarantine. We learn more daily what it means to pray without ceasing. I bet you guys do too. Uh, we sure do miss getting together and to be able to worship together. But worship continues here in our house. We pray daily for our family. We use the 91st Psalm. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely that's for all of us right now. Our circumstances may change, but God doesn't. We spend a lot of, the, of our time here reminding ourselves of that. As for me, I spend time in my garden praying and sweating, and I tell myself that sweat's holy water. <laughs> we don't know what the future holds. Surely we're living in some turbulent times. Our circumstances may change, but our God does not. We are in a boat with Jesus, and we're passing through this world. He is not asleep as we know it, but he's at rest, and we can enter his rest too. 
So I look forward to the time I can be with everybody again physically. But till then, we pray in the spirit from our home to you. Peace, blessings in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So I'll put that out there now. Um, really, you know, Tommy wanted me to, to just kind of get a testimony of kind of what God's done in my life. And uh, real quick, I, I got saved when I was eight years old. And um, I can honestly say, little Joe's going to cry again. It's already started. Um, I can honestly say the majority of my life, I never understood grace and that security in my life and what how it empowers me to do things and to talk about Christ and people until I moved to this church. And um, it has it has freed me to be able to talk to people and be emboldened. Sharing Christ with people that I probably wouldn't, but also to have a heart for people that I never had. Because I was, you know, I was so bitter and just didn't like people, <laughs> quite honestly, just you know, shaking with my life. And um, God has taken that, that love that He's given me. And helped me to finally have a love for other people and to be able to share that with them. And uh, God, through my life, has 100% kept me. Because even when I was not following Him or not doing what He wanted, I He still loved me when I did not want anything to do with him. When I realized that God had never left me and had actually guided my entire life, every aspect of it, and I'm happy to go into depth with any of you about how through my military career, how things that happened that never happened happened to me, and I had no explanation whatsoever other than God knew what was best for my life and how to keep me, what, you know, how he just, he, he guided me in every step of the way, and I, I can only attribute that to God, um, but he was faithful to me even when I was not faithful to him, and I came here and talking with Tommy and just the love that you guys have shown me and my family in the last two years, it's uh, it's changed me and it's changed my heart towards my family because I have that propensity too to also be angry. Um, but God has softened my heart and I, I truly believe that He has given me that love. 
love that I have never been able to exhibit towards people. Um, I can only say that the, the love of God and that grace has kept me through every single aspect of my life. And, you know, I never understood security. I had heard once saved, always saved, never understood it. Never understood what being 100% kept by God, never being able to lose my salvation. Once I understood that I was secure, it was whole different. And so I just, I, I just want to say that I hope that if anybody's on that fence um, where you're like, ah, maybe I still good, don't, don't be. Because when you experience the fact that God has enabled you to do great things, because you are secure in His love, and He's never going to let you go no matter what, you will talk to people, you will go out there as a soldier, you will get in the trenches, and you will do God's work. Because He loved you first. I hope that encourages some of y'all. Thank you. Don't your talk here. All right, guys. Now this is what we're going to do. Uh, we typically do this anyway. We just have a time of reflection. Really want us to all together reflect on. Not my words, but just this message that I think God wants to impress on our minds and hearts and just spend a little bit of time praying. Uh, not asking you to get together in groups, and if you want to, social distance safe and all of that. Uh, we're gonna DJ, we are we gonna play a song too, an instrumental maybe, or Kyle rather, sorry. Um, and, and while they play, our, our prayer team will be at the back. If you want to talk to somebody, if you have something on your heart, you got something you want to confess. You have a need, you're sick, uh, feel weak, feel tired, feel exhausted, feel angry, especially if you feel angry. Come and talk to the prayer team and play with them. This will be your time to do that. And then uh, close out this time, I've asked Bill and Christy, they're a part of our leadership and the prayer ministry here. Uh, one or both, I think, not sure, is, is going to come and pray with the microphone to close out our time. I just want to spend a few minutes doing that. And you'll hear this when we dismiss today. Uh, but another opportunity to grow, and this is going to be for a series we're going to do coming up here. Uh, this is a book that Ray Orland wrote, and it's called The Gospel, How the Church Portrays the Beauty of Christ. And it is one of, you know, people people say this so much that it's almost, it sounds like a forward. This was the best book I've ever read. This is one of the top ranking books, Christian books that I've ever read. Sure. I reread it every year. It's had a tremendous impact on me. And I think it can have a tremendous impact on you too. And it's, look, it's not very thick, right? It's little. Uh, I don't work for Crossway, by the way, okay? But this is a gift. This book is a gift to every family unit here today. Please just take one per family. I don't even know who's distributing them. They're in a box in the back. But uh, happy Father's Day or happy late Mother's Day or happy Kids Day or Son's Day. This is our gift to you. And I only ask one thing. If you take one of these, just give it a read. Even if you don't finish it, just uh, just read the introduction that, that Ray write, and it will bless you and it will help you. And I'll be referring to this later on in the series. That's just another way we're going to build ourselves up in the most holy faith. Uh, we're going to go deeper into the love of God and learn all the implications and freedoms and privileges of the gospel. Uh, but for right now, 
Well, instead of you to pray, God, our nation needs prayer, our leaders need prayer, our churches need prayer, we need prayer. Uh, and one of the things we do when we gather together is we just stop. So just take some time, reflect on the message, pray, and then Bill Christie will come and, and close out our time of prayer. And then, Megan, are you going to dismiss us today with some announcements? Prayer team is in the back.
There we go. Thank you, Lemon Christy. Just a couple of announcements for you all today. Um, we've got Women Knowing God and Men Knowing God um, gatherings coming up in the summer. The Men Knowing God is uh, TBD, so keep a lookout um, in the email, social media, and here Sunday morning we'll be announcing the date. But Women Knowing God does have a date set on the calendar, um, Tuesday, July 7th from 7 to 8.30. Um, and we'll have more details for you coming um, up on that. And then also uh, in July, on Sunday the 12th, we've got uh, a tech team training happening. And if you um, are interested in uh, serving in that way as a part of our tech team, there's lots of different areas and uh, tasks that go into that. Um, if that's something that you're interested in, um, you can shoot Diane uh, Hendricks an email at serving at graceforward.com and she can give you more information on what serving um, in that team looks like. Um, but before, you know, if you want to have all your bases covered, which I'm, I would always feel like that, um, we have a training coming up in July. It'll be immediately after the service here and lunch will be provided. Um, if that, like I said, it's something that you're interested in, let me know or uh, Diane, if you see her, or you can shoot her an email. And you have the digital version of the uh, bulletin that came with the email um, this week. Her email is uh, also in there, so you can write it down. Um, and that's all I have for you. So if you want to stand, we'll say our charge together. It will be on the screen. I am a witness. I have been called to minister to my neighborhood in both word and deed. God has given me his word to equip me, his spirit to empower me, and his love to motivate me. I pledge my life for the gospel. And don't forget to pick up your books. That was one last thing. There's a box right in this room in the back. Um, one book per family unit. Um, great readers that we're going to pick up. Have a great week. You've been set.